everyone to the score fantasy football podcast i'm your host justin boone we are already at the midway mark this week that means we're going to be joined by a guest on today's show we got a special one for you bob harris of football diehards very excited for his first appearance on the show can't wait to talk to him about what he learned from week one and how he's going to apply that moving forward before we get to that though the early edition of my week two rankings those are up over at the score they're going to be refreshed again on Thursday. I publish the week two trade value charts as well. So you can dig through those. You can try to figure out some offers there and improve your team. And I'm going to go one step further with that. I'm going to give you some examples myself here. So let's talk about my top trade targets this week as we kick things up a notch with our friends at Frank's Red Hot. Let's Frank it up. And I hinted on Tuesday's show about one of my trade targets this week. James Cook on the Bills, he showed us everything that we needed to see in week one, played 60% of the snaps, earned a 15% target share, finished with 16 touches in that game, but he only had 63 scoreless yards due to that matchup. Against easier opponents, Cook is going to thrive, and this might be your last chance to get him at a discount. The second spot on my list, that's actually going to go to three teammates, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and Darren Waller. People seem to be down on the Giants after they got shut out by the Cowboys, but that game said a lot more about Dallas than it did about New York. Brian Dable, he's going to rally his team. He's going to get them back on track against the Cardinals this week. So don't change your outlook for Jones or Barkley or Waller. They can all be impact players at their positions in fantasy this year. You should try to get them if you can. And then the last one, Elijah Moore on the Browns. We heard off-season hype about how they wanted to use him a lot. He comes out in week one. He gets seven targets and two carries. Great usage there, despite the fact that it was a really rainy outing and that limited both offenses in that game. But that's why you have an opportunity to get out there and buy him this week. More could be a wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside the rest of the way. And if you're curious about which players that you can package to try to get some of these guys, that's what my trade value charts are made for. So check those out, make some offers, and take your roster and frank it up just like our friends at Frank's Red Hot. All right, let's get our guest in here. And as I said off the top, long time coming for this one. Somebody who I have a ton of respect for, not just for his fantasy knowledge, but how he carries himself in the industry too. And that is Bob Harris of Football Diehards. You can find him on Twitter, X, at Football Diehard. And Bob, we're finally doing this, man. So welcome (laughs) to the show. How you been now that we have some real regular season games to analyze and react to? Uh, I've been great. And by the way, thanks for having me on. This has been a long time coming. Uh, Justin has been working on this people for more than a year and uh, I'm glad <laughs> we're finally getting it together. Um, like, you know, you're so excited for week one and then you realize something that uh, and, and I'm going to give him credit because I thought it was a great line. Peter Schrager on Good Morning Football on Monday uh, told me this week one is a liar. And he is correct. I mean, it is. And we're going to fall for all the lies and we're going to, you know, chase things that are mirages. And some of them are going to turn out to be true, you know, or, or truer than maybe we hope they are. But man, week one is always a mess and it's fun sorting through it and trying to get, trying to get through the volatility of September is something that I think has been maybe a focus of mine for the last couple of years. And, and I'm like about 2% uh, of mastering it, I believe. Well, I want to ask you some of the things that uh, surprised you in week one, but first, uh, yesterday I did my takeaways for every AFC team. I did that on Tuesday show. And sadly I had to talk about my bills losing. That was rough. <clears throat> I also had to go over the Aaron Rodgers season ending injury, which was brutal in its own right. Yeah. And I want to start with that today too, with the jets and get your thoughts there and try to figure out how people should be approaching this offense without Rodgers, And really, you know, for somebody like me who is heavily invested in Garrett Wilson, 
I'm basically just looking for you to tell me that they're not going to start Zach Wilson at quarterback all season. Can you give me some hope here, Bob? What are you seeing for this Jets offense <clears> the rest of the way? Because I am very worried about those Garrett Wilson shares. This, I have a good authority. Quarterbacks don't grow on trees. And maybe they will <laughs> go out and find one. Zach Wilson is it. Here's what you hang your hat on. On his touchdown catch, uh, we saw Wilson pull in against the Bills. The the completion probability was only 34.5% by, per next-gen stats. Uh, and it was only three yard pass, but the percentage was so low. There was a like less than a half yard of separation. He's very good. That's, that's what you have to hang your hat on. And you hope that Zach Wilson has taken a step forward. And I mean, I, he doesn't have to be great. He just has to be not as horrible as he was last year. I think that's possible. He has a $36 million quarterback coach, uh, ready to work with him on the sidelines and Aaron Rodgers. I, I'm just like, I, I do think like the Jets have kind of, you know, like I'm sure they'll look and do their due diligence, but is there really anybody out there? Is, is Ryan Fitzpatrick going to come in and, and turn someone's fortunes around? Is Matt Ryan going to change the trajectory of a team right now? Uh, I mean, maybe uh, I'd, I'd rather, I'd take, I'm, I would say this, them taking a, giving Zach Wilson a realistic shot to show he's taken a, at least a half step forward is probably going to be the thing to deal with. I'd be more worried about their offensive line, though, than I am about Zach at the moment. Well, and the fact that they have to go against the Cowboys this week. That's what the not Cowboys good. did to the Giants, right? So that's, that's not good. That's very concerning. And that makes me wonder whether, <laughs> yeah, they're saying all the right things about Zach Wilson going into this game. But next week, they might be singing a different tune and they might be looking for anybody that they can get. And essentially, any backup quarterback, anybody in the free agent market, people have linked all of them to the Jets so maybe we'll see somebody end up there and you keep going back to last year and the splits that Garrett Wilson had right when Zach Wilson was out there versus when it was Joe Flacco and Mike White who aren't great quarterbacks by any means but when those two were out there Garrett Wilson was averaging the seventh most fantasy points among receivers in those starts so uh, fingers crossed that they get it sorted out for him and for all the pieces on that offense because Brees Hall looked really good too right oh man Brees Hall has looked phenomenal endlessly shocked and it's just a reminder that everybody's different, right? I mean, if you were taking lessons from last year from J.K. Dobbins, and well, I'm sure we'll address that as well, but if you were taking lessons from guys that were slow to come back from, you know, uh, knee injuries last year, clearly Javante Williams and Brees Hall would like to have a word with you. They're, they're, they're in really good shape, all things considered. Like, do I know for sure that's permanent? No, but, but I felt like Brees Hall got like the, uh, maybe the courtesy carry, right? And then he took that first carry and roared up the field. They said, well, let's give him another courtesy carry. Because they didn't, they didn't pay Dalvin Cook, you know, top of the market money, right? They're, he's making $7 million, up to eight. Uh, that's good money. That's not, you know, back end of a timeshare money. And he may end up being that with Brees Hall being where he's at right now. But I don't think that was a plan. In fact, I know that... Uh, Adam Schefter was yelling at me 10 minutes before the game. Reese Hall is going to have a very small role. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, this is the thing about football and, you know, week one in particular, you're going to, you're going to get caught off guard and Brees Hall definitely caught me off guard. Javante Williams less so, but certainly impressed with what he was doing too. All right. Well, the Rogers injury, that was shocking in a bad way, but like we mentioned off the top, you know, one of the things that I like most about week one is getting surprised by those outcomes that we just didn't see coming. And sometimes you kind of touch on it, right? That it could be fool's gold. It can turn out to be that fluke week. And sometimes it can be a sign of things to come and a player ends up breaking out that we didn't see happening. So what surprised you for most from week one? And you could take that in really any direction you want. Yeah, I think pleasantly surprised, and but but almost not. Like uh, maybe maybe 
affirmation from Tua Tagovailoa's performance against the Chargers. I mean, you know Tyreek Hill's going to get it done, but but seeing Tua deliver and and boy, remember all the flack Tyreek Hill got for talking about how Tua throws the prettiest ball he's ever seen. I believe I saw some evidence of that against the Chargers. I thought that was <laughs> I thought that was a really good sign there. Um, San Francisco Brock Purdy is who we thought he were. Well, he is who Kyle Shanahan wants him to be, which is Kyle Shanahan on the field, right? That's that's the thing about Brock Purdy that I think people overlook. Is he look spectacular? No, he did, what he does is he executes this offense exactly the way Kyle Shanahan wants it executed. And that's why he's going to remain on the field, and that's why he'll probably throw at least two touchdowns a game every game for the rest of his damn life. Uh, maybe not, but you, but that you get my point. I think Jordan Love was also a pleasant surprise that, that I don't know should have been. You know, Justin, I've been talking about this all offseason. Is like, uh, you know, we might not have known what the Packers had in Jordan Love. But whatever they thought of Aaron Rodgers, I don't think you let a four-time MVP force his way out, you know, escape the compound unless you felt like you had somebody who was capable of at least, you know, holding down the fort for a year or two or more. And I think they felt that about love all along and uh, good on him for getting it done. Dallas' defense, I don't know. I mean, my expectation was they were going to be great. They look super great. We'll talk about the Giants more here. Um, you know, I, there were a lot of great surprises, a lot of things that I really loved about this, uh, about uh, week one. But I think in particular, you know, some of the things that like were like surprises, but not surprising, like Philadelphia's offensive showing against New England. Is it really that surprising, Justin, that that if Bill Belichick has an entire offseason to sit around and think about a game and maybe game plan <laughs> for it and has a pretty good defense? I mean, that maybe he comes up with a plan to slow it down a little bit. I know that, you know, they didn't win, but, you know, there's some disappointment. Wow, what's the matter with the Eagles offense? Maybe nothing. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah, there was uh, so, some weather factoring into some of those games, exactly, too, right? Yeah, like for sure on these grounds. And, yeah. And that could be the reason why we had some offenses out there that just didn't show up in the opener, uh, right? Bengals. That the weather could be a factor for those teams. Some offenses, though, didn't have an excuse, I would say. So I'm curious, you know, is there an offense? Or if you want to mention a, a couple, you can go for it here, but. Were there any offenses that did worry you long term based yes. on that week one performance? Yes, and it's it's not Cincinnati. I mean, you know, I, I think they'll be fine. Joe Burrow, you know, we saw a slow start last year after he sat out with the appendectomy, and and you know, I mean, him missing, you know, August has become the norm. So a slow starts to be expected. Although that was pretty damn slow, right? I mean, it was, <laughs> it was maybe maybe as slow as uh, maybe slower than anyone could have imagined, but. And I, and I don't know that I expected a slow start, but 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 yeah, but I, th- I think the Giants in particular, I guess we're going to have to decide or find out in the short term whether this was, are the Giants that bad or are Dallas that good? It's probably somewhere in the middle, but it's not good for the Giants. I mean, that offensive line play was abhorrent and they need to pick it up. And I don't know that that was all Cowboys related. Certainly some of it was. Uh, but I don't know if all of it was. Uh, the Pittsburgh offense was disturbing. That was a matchup issue. I, you know, I kept talking about the matchup, but I thought both sides would face pretty daunting matchups, and only one did, and it was the Pittsburgh. And it just seemed like all the progress we expected after a really strong August for Kenny Pickett, you know, went out the went out the door. And we'll, so we'll have to see. I mean, there was there was nothing nothing good about that. I mean, there was nothing good about the the Bengals either. But I, I guess I have a little more hope there based on the history of Joe Burrow and the pieces around him. Um, and I guess you know. Uh, 
I guess I, I, I if I, if I, if I had to narrow it down to one, it, it's it's absolutely New York though, because I expected a little more. You know, thought Darren Waller would be a little more of a difference maker. Maybe you know, you said the wet field, he's coming off the soft tissue issue, the hamstring tightness. Maybe they're playing it safe with him. Uh, but unless they find somebody in that receiving core who can start threatening opponents a little bit uh, and and get a rushing game going good enough to keep defenses honest on the pass rush, it's going to be a rough sledding for Danny Dimes. Yeah, to me, it just seemed like a snowball effect in that game. And last year, they had trouble with the Cowboys, and it seems like they're still going to have trouble. To me, it says more about the Cowboys, though, I think, than it does about the Giants. And I got a lot of faith in Brian Dayball and that they're going to be able to to sort that out. And they get the Cardinals this week, right? So that's a nice bounce back spot for the Giants. So I'm actually advising people, I think they should go out and invest in the Giants players. I think they should go get Daniel Jones, I think he can still be a QB1 this season. And Saquon Barkley, I have a, a friend that's in a, a guillotine league, and uh, he was trying to figure out what to bid on Barkley, and he didn't bid on him thinking that Barkley was going to go for a massive amount, and he didn't. So that makes me think that people are really down on this Giants offense, and I wish I would have given my friend the advice to, to spend up a little more and get Barkley in that league. But same with Waller, too, right? They're giving him yeah. a veteran rest day. Yep. He is going to be fine. I think he is still going to be a, a top five, maybe even a top three tight end for fantasy this I would year. Agree. There, there's a lot of that going on. And, and, and I'll just say, you know, in general, what the, your point about Brian Dable is 100%, you know, where I generally stand on this. But I was definitely concerned with the offensive line play. And, and hopefully it was more Cowboys related than Giants related. Yeah, f- 40 to nothing. It's hard not to be <laughs> concerned there. Uh, all right. So we have week one. And then after week one, every single year, we get that week two waiver wire run. And I don't know what you thought about the waiver options this week. I feel like people might have been overhyping them a little bit. I mean, in my waiver wire column, I didn't have a massive recommended bid for really anybody. You know, there were a lot of options for sure, but I wasn't confident that any of them were going to be season long difference makers out there. And feel free to comment on that if you want. But what I did find was that because there were so many choices this week, people were really struggling to try to free up roster yeah. spots for them. I was getting a lot of questions about that. So I'm wondering, can you help them out here? Are there any players that you already feel confident dropping from your rosters after seeing what they did in week one? I cannot help them out. I can absolutely have a, <laughs> I have, I have a problem, Justin. I cannot release anybody. I have guys on my dynasty rosters that haven't played for five years because I'm sure they're going to come back and, and, and score a point. No, um, it, it is. I, I tend to trust my process maybe a little too much early in the season. And again, going back to, you know, we know the volatility early in the year. That said, I mean, there's probably some players who, if I need feel like I need to churn, like, you know, the Devontae Parkers of the world. I mean, he didn't even play, but, you know, looking at how some of the other pieces performed, uh, I'm not sure I need to hold on to that. Um, I'm not sure I need to hold on to, you know, some of the, let's say, I guess they weren't horrible, but like the Texans receiving assets, not named Nico Collins, you know, like yeah. Robert Woods was, you know, better than I expected. So I need to get a hold of him. Noah Brown, I know they put on IR today, so he's kind of off that list. But I think it's mostly those like second and third receivers on less than stellar offenses that probably I've been holding on to. Like anybody on the Arizona offense, not named Marquise Brown or Zach Ertz or James Conner at the moment, uh, certainly expendable. Um there's a handful of them. Maybe some of the guys, uh, you know, uh, in Denver uh, down the down the line a little bit. If anyone had held on to anyone not named Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy, I don't think Mims. You know, I, like I want to hang on to these guys, but I think if you need to churn some of these guys that were that are they're, they're just going to be role players at best. Um, you could probably get rid of. Yeah, and Mims being the Hunter the Henry, Hunter, or not Hunter Henry, Hunter Renfro. 
Yeah, you know? I was going to say Mims being the fourth receiver in the Broncos offense yep. in the opener without Jerry Judy like that. That's, that was a really bad sign. And yes, I still think he will come through as the season goes along and maybe end up being a fantasy starter for you late in the year. But that was a, a very bad beginning yeah. to his rookie season like, for him. I don't even want to throw Rashad Penny onto the ash heap yet. And, <laughs> and I totally should. Right. I mean, I don't feel like that thing's going to be resolved or that backfield's going to be resolved. We'll see if Kenneth Gainwell can even play. That's weekend. the thing. It looks like Gainwell is going to potentially be out right. this week. That seems right. to be the it's, way it's trending. I feel like that one is going to shift from week to week. You know, there you you go into the season and, and everyone uh, carefully assembles a depth chart and names a starter. And and Philadelphia, you cowards, name a starter at running back. And don't name <laughs> four, all four. Yeah, four guys right. listed and, as the you know, RB one. But, but, but I but I think honestly, I'm kidding about them being cowards because I think they're probably being more accurate than most everyone else. Because you know, at some point, well, you know the you know Boston Scott has two games against the Giants. So, I mean, he's going to have weeks. Uh, you know, everyone there is going to have weeks. I know they say they want to get DeAndre Swift more involved, but but will they, right? Like, yeah. I, had a, I had a, you know, a little bit of a back and forth with Chris McPherson from the team's website because, you know, he said, like, man, they really wanted DeAndre Swift because they want to they really involve him as a receiver. I said, well, they threw the fewest passes to running backs in the NFL last <laughs> year. Why would they do that? He goes, well, he's a way better receiver. I said, do we not remember Miles Sanders catching 50 passes as a rookie? And like being their most explosive downfield threat. And, you know, did he forget how to do that? Or So, I mean, just the whole argument that DeAndre Swift, and I do get the argument that like last year he 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 ripped them a new one, right, in, in their game. And so maybe they saw something there, and I know they're talking about this week. And maybe he gets a big role this week. I just don't think it's going to be repeatable. So, you know, I'm, I'm reluctant to let go of any of those guys in the backfield or the ones that I invested in because I have the cheaper pieces there, which are generally Gainwell and Penny. Yeah, and that's been a frustrating one to figure out for the projections and for the rankings. And one of the reasons for it is because we know there's so much potential there, right? And another spot that I've been just struggling and pulling my hair out with is the Chiefs receivers. And Travis Kelsey might be back this week. If he is, then that'll probably settle everything back down. But we're still left with a bunch of wideouts and nobody is the clear top option. And I mean, nobody is a real clear fantasy starter either. So do you think that we're going to be able to trust any of those KC wideouts in our season long lineups? Or is this going to just be that like Patrick Mahomes carrot that we can never actually catch? And it seems like it's there for the taking, but it's always just out of reach. That they, They've told us what the plan is when they let Tyreek Hill move on, right? That they told us we're going to pay our quarterback a half a billion dollars. And he's going to decide from snap to snap who his wide receiver one is. And that's going to be the open guy. And hopefully the open guy catches the ball when he's open. I'm looking at you, Kadarius Tony. Um, <laughs> but, but that's just how this offense is designed. So I think, you know, anyone, you know, and like, look, I hope someone emerges as a more consistent threat. Maybe somebody gets open consistently. But I think you're going to see week to week, this is going to be a shifting target and you're going to, feel really miserable chasing it every week. And I know there are a lot of Sky Moore truthers out there shaking their fists at me. And and I hope I'm wrong about this, right? Like, I hope everyone who... and, and I, But I do think, boom, we invested in these guys at, a, at the right price, right? You weren't overpaying for any of them. I think, you know, Tony at most most points over the course of the summer was, you know, uh, I think his high was, you know, wide receiver four, right? So, so uh, like, I'm, I'm not against holding on and seeing if one of them emerges as that, but but expecting one to kind of goes against what we've seen the last year plus. Yeah, and Tony, like, the usage and the idea that, like, you know, maybe he was rusty and, you know, maybe based on them talking him up all offseason that he could be the wide receiver right. one. Like, he's somebody I would hold mm -hmm. on to for at Me least too. one more week. 
Rashi Rice, the rookie, kind of looked the best, but he did. You know, will that earn him more opportunities? I think so, but I still don't know if that's going to mean mm. that he's going to end up being fantasy relevant or not. The touchdown certainly helped his final numbers. Sky Moore's the guy that he kind of looks so bad in the opener. I know everybody wants to talk about Tony and those drops, but Sky Moore, based on what we saw last year and what we saw in the opener, he's the one that I'm really debating just dropping from the lineups that I have him in season long. Yeah, I, you know, I've, I mean, I, again, I'm reluctant to drop guys this early, but if I needed to churn it, I mean, not like I had a need, like somebody was hurt and I go, I need somebody who's going to get me some points. I don't know that I trust that to be Sky Moore. Yeah, if you hold on to him, you're, it's kind of like the Terry's Tony thing where you hold on to him for another yep. week or two and get a little more data to go off of and then make the decision. That's the smarter play. But after what we saw last week, it's it's been kind of tough even to just look at Sky Moore on my roster at this point. But we're going to finish up with the rapid fire section in a second. I got one more question before we get to that, though. And this is one that I have been asking for several seasons now to all of our guests on the preview episodes. Which player is being overlooked this week? And it could be a, a star that's not getting enough respect. Could be an under the radar guy that you like. There's lots of ways you can go with it. Who's being overlooked for fantasy heading into week two? Uh, I want to say Derek Carr, right? I mean, all the weapons seem to be working there. I mean, all of them, right? Not the, not necessarily the rushing attack, and it's. I think that's going to get better. But you know, when Alvin Kamara turns back, but you look at that range of weapons he has. And, you know, started with Chris Olave. Michael Thomas looks like he's you know at least on point, right? Rashid Shahid is showing up, uh, Juwan Johnson showing up. Um, I like an awful lot about this, and I think people have been overlooking this offense or this passing attack. I mean, people love Olave, right? But you're getting Michael Thomas as a wide receiver four or five. You're getting Shahid as a last-round flyer. Uh, Juwan Johnson, you know, I think he gained a little steam late in the season. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I'm out there looking on waiver wires, and I see Derek Carr everywhere. I think, man, you could you could do a hell of a lot worse for a quarterback, too. In fact, you make it could do worse for your starter at times. Yeah, and he's one of those guys that if he's surrounded by enough talent, he can for sure come through. And you just outlined it. Look how much talent's around him in that New Orleans offense. Yeah, I really like that call. All right, that brings us to the rapid fire section. We're aiming for quick answers only here, Bob. You can give a little bit of context if you want, though. The big question that we're going off of is which teammate would you rather start in fantasy for week two? And the first pairing, we're going right to that Lions backfield, David Montgomery or Jameer Gibbs. Well, if I'm playing with my heart and my investment, it's going to be Jameer Gibbs. He is the nail. I am the hammer. But the smart money is on David Montgomery until we see the usage get a little more even. What about the two running backs in Denver? You talked about Javante earlier. I feel like you're going to go with him here. But Javante Williams or Samaje Piran, they split snaps evenly in that first week. I think I'm going to go with P. Ryan here until, you know, is the better receiving asset. I love what Javante did. I think he looks great, and I think he'll look stronger as he goes on. But if I'm in a PPR, I'm going to go with P. Ryan early on. All right, next we got two of the waiver wire options from week two here. Gus Edwards or Justice Hill in the Ravens backfield? Um, I've planted my flag on Gus Edwards. It would not surprise me if either of them shine at any given time. But Edwards has a little more history and a little more to fall back on in my mind. I liked last week's performance for Hill, but, but Edwards is the guy that I've chosen. I also lean with Edwards there. This one's always tricky, and I feel like it makes it into these teammate toss-ups every single time, but Keenan Allen or Mike Williams? Always go with the old guys, Justin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> look, Allen was wide receiver, what, six when he returned from his injury last year. Look, I hope both of them stay healthy and stay on the field, and they throw the ball a lot more in Los Angeles. But Keenan Allen, it's hard to bet against. All right, the questions are getting tougher here. Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel? This is not even hard for me. Brandon Ayuk all the way, not just based on last week, which was phenomenal. He was named the NFC Offensive Player of the Week this morning, uh, and as well he should have been. Uh, but this, this, has been go this has been their desired outcome here, and I think once the wideback role went away for Debo, 
that's just a limiting factor for him. Christian McCaffrey's presence is a limiting factor. Uh, Ayuk as a receiving asset is ahead of him. I normally won't give a ruling whether these are correct or not, but that one is definitely correct. This is a pro Brandon Ayuk show here. So great, (laughs) great answer for that one. Uh, Baker Mayfield. So he did enough to keep those receivers in the Bucks offense viable for fantasy. We weren't sure about that, but in week one, he did. Who do you like better now between Chris Godwin or Mike Evans? Well, to be fair, it was against Minnesota. So it was like pretty (laughs) predictable, but I'm going to go with Evans. Just, I mean, like, you know, I I think both of them are suitable. I think Evans is going to rebound a little bit this year. He's got something to play for, maybe a new contract next year with someone who might be interested with him in him. And, and he's just been so consistently productive. I like both players, and I think both will be better than we expect because Baker will be more serviceable than we expect. The toe injury might swing this next one, but Terry McLaurin or Jahan Dotson? Um, I'm Team McLaurin, and uh, I don't know that the toe injury is going to. I think we've all like become overly enthusiastic about Jahan Dotson, and I'm guilty of that too. I think we are sadly overlooking how good Terry McLaurin has been playing with a series of nondescript quarterbacks, and that he has he's a guy that should be a solid wide receiver one for your team once all is said and done. I don't know if there's a right answer for this next one here, but Drake London or Kyle Pitts in that Falcons offense that <clears throat> does not seem to want to throw the ball very much. It's probably Drake London is probably the right answer, but you're right. It's possible there isn't one. All right, and then we'll end on this. Still rapid fire. Are you excited about the NFL's two-game Monday night football slate this week? You got one game kicking off at 7.15 Eastern, the other at 8.15. Are you a fan of it? They could do this every damn week, and I would love it. Absolutely. All right, there you have it. That is all for today's show. Make sure you're checking out Bob's content at footballdiehards.com. Make sure you're following him on Twitter and X at footballdiehard. And Bob, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Is there anything that you're working on specifically that you want to direct people towards before we get you out of here? Hit my YouTube channel as well, Football Diehards YouTube channel. Do live streams Wednesday at 7 p.m., Sunday, Saturdays at noon. Answer all your questions, and we have a lot of fun. So I appreciate that opportunity, Justin. It's good talking to you, man. And good talking to you. As for me, I'll be back Thursday with the Mailbag Show, Friday with the Injury Updates episode. But until then, big thanks again to Bob. Big thanks to all of you for listening. And we'll see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight